In our podcast this week, with the intensity of the playoffs going on, we want to discuss consistency and organizational stability, how organizations change, the need for trust, how teams build fandoms, how organizations are driven to be the best globally. So in this format, we're going to have the opportunity to listen to Mark Murphy, the CEO and president of the Green Bay Packers. We're going to hear from Larry Bear, the CEO of the Giants. We're going to hear from Todd Lewicki, who was the CEO of the Seahawks when they created the 12th man and has now started the Kraken. Tom Garfinkel is going to talk about what it's like to have a global vision. And R.C. Buford, the CEO of the San Antonio Spurs, will finish our discussion with how Greg Popovich has achieved the success he has by building incredible relationships with players. One of the most consistent teams in professional sports of the Green Bay Packers. Mark Murphy will talk about what he believes is essential for strong management. Mark, you've been on both ends of the Super Bowl as a player and as a CEO. I mean, what are the two or three things that you think are really essential for an organization to have to, to really compete and, and to win a Super Bowl? You know, obviously, you have to have a certain level of players to, to, to play well. But uh, I think, you know, the strong management, you know, and, and, uh, and I think consistent management, and you see this in the league, Jack, um, you know, if there's certain, certain teams that they just get into a pattern and every other year they're either fi- firing the GM or the head coach and they're always starting over. And so I think – Having some consistency is uh, is really important, um, and you know I, I think it gets back to communication throughout the organization, leadership, um, and and having really good working relationships between your top uh, your top leaders in within football, and I, and I think also a good relationship between the business and the football side, so that um, when you when you see it, and you know I I've got great respect for a lot of organizations and. You know, I think like for me, the, the Steelers uh, are one that I've always kind of put up as a shining example. Just the, the way they treat people and the culture of the organization, that's something that, uh, that we try to do as well. And, you know, and uh, I think Mike McCarthy used to say it and Ted, Ted as well is, you know, we have to make tough decisions on our players, but we want to, we, we, we try to make those decisions as though, the, they were our sons, and how would we want our son to be treated? And so, yes, we got to cut cut players, but uh, you know, always explain to them and talk to them, and yeah, and, and and make sure you're you're treating them uh, in in a fair manner. Larry Bear talking about changing a successful sports operation. Had to go through a transition with with your general manager, president of baseball, you know, stepping down and 
having to bring in an, a new a new executive team on the baseball side, which was very different. I mean, it hadn't happened in you know since you'd been there. So, as, as you well know, Jed, that's very challenging. And I, I'd say for myself personally, that might have been the, one of the toughest assignments next to actually acquiring the team and building the ballpark and getting the ballpark built that we we all worked on. A close third was changing over the the, the baseball operations department. And I want to point out, you know, Brian Sabian still works with the Giants. Bruce Bochy is still working with the Giants. So uh, they're still here and offering their wisdom and advice. And, and that's wonderful. But it was clear. I mean, you know, Brian had a had a Hall of Fame run in our view uh, from with the club from 1993. I put his track record from 1993 through 2018. I mean, you just don't have that, right? You don't have uh, truly 25 years of, uh, of somebody running an operation, essentially running an operation, and very proud of the fact that over those 25 years, we had a grand total of three field managers. We have right. Dusty, Felipe Alou, and Bruce Bochy. And I'm very proud of that and that consistency. But as you, as you mentioned, you know, there always there does come a time when you have to look at, at changing it over. So as we took a look at the best in breed, you know, and, and in the, in the industry and knowing that clubs do not easily or willingly uh, lose great executive want to lose great executive talent. It takes a lot of, of effort and a lot of uh, homework and, and uh, grit to figure out, you know, how to, how to rebuild and, and put together a new baseball operation and uh, thankfully, we were we were able to land on uh, Farhan Zaidi, who uh, Farhan is just a remarkable track record with the Oakland A's and the and the Dodgers previously. And we're looking at a competitor in the Dodgers, and 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 having and, and getting him to the Giants from the Dodgers was not simple. And then, as you know, when you have a leader in really any sport at the top of the of the baseball, basketball, football operations. Um, they bring by, by definition, they will bring folks with them. And so that was, uh, you know, and, and so we had to look at that as well as folks that certainly deserve to, to remain with the giants and how to put that puzzle together. And the, 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 there were a lot of long nights, uh, spent figuring it out and, and, and couldn't be more pleased with what, you know, Farhan and. Scott Harris, uh, who we brought in as general manager from the Cubs, and Gabe Kapler, who he's brought in as our field manager. There, it's it's um, you know we feel very blessed that it, that it's all worked out. Tom Garf Garfinkel has built a global entertainment organization with the Dolphins. Listen to him explain how he's built out the business in terms of what you inherited, the renovations you've done and how you've really enhanced the fans, the social media, the faith, all the different aspects that you've brought from all your different sets of experiences. I mean, you've got this unbelievable facility host to the Super Bowl, going to have the college uh, championship game there. So, I mean, you've, you've been able to uh, really build something, that, a destination point. Yeah, thank you. It was really, yeah, the, the vision was really to have a global entertainment destination, not just a football stadium. And I think that, uh, you know, we did with the renovation, you know, it was, uh, 
uh, trying to do things differently, trying to kind of create opportunities, trying to think like, what would I want if I was a consumer and think of different market segments and you know, reduce capacity a bit, created new luxury seating products, all kinds of different seating products at different price points, uh, really built out, I think, probably the largest ticket sales and service team in the NFL at the time and, uh, and got really proactive and aggressive that, and regardless of, uh, you know, what the team performance was, we were going to sell the place out and, and did that and, and was able to, you know, create energy and excitement with the fan base around, you know, just the experience they were having, obviously the best experience is a winning football team. And we're working on that too, obviously. But I think, um, at the time it was just about, trying to really make this experience at this stadium special. And then once we established that, it was, you know, adding things like the Classico in 2017 when we brought in Real Madrid, Barcelona to play here and, and then adding the tennis tournament and, you know, concerts and now adding, you know, a, a Formula One Grand Prix here is, uh, is, is really trying to take it to the next level. I think the Super Bowl was fantastic when we had it here. Unfortunately, we had the national championship game under the pandemic, but you know, we're able to have 13,000 here for that. Um, and looking forward to, you know, just filling the calendar. I think, you know, 2026, for example, could be a year where we have hypothetically the national championship game, Dolphins playoff games, Miami Open tennis tournament, Formula One Grand Prix, the World Cup, uh, Dolphins and Miami Hurricanes football, and then potentially after that, maybe the Super Bowl the next year. So, all that's, you know, not determined yet, but that could conceivably be a 13 month period that we have here. And, and I like to think that that's pretty unique uh, to any stadium environment around the world. Todd Lewicki takes us through two interesting examples of how the 12th man was formed with the Seahawks and how he has built the Seattle Kraken and how the name evolved. Ultimately, fandom is unleashed when you connect to the local fans and they feel that that team is an embodiment of who they are in the community. And that's the power of uh, what happened with the 12th man. Um, and it was something important to the team. Mike McCormick uh, retired the number 12. 1986, the NFL had a home crowd rule. One year, if the home crowd impeded the visiting team's offense, it was a penalty. And it lasted one year. And the crowds were so loud at the kingdom that they retired the number 12 in honor of the fans. Again, that wasn't my idea. It wasn't our organization's idea. We were just listeners. And it was Steve Largent who came up and talked to me about it. There was. So we, put a, we did put a flagpole in the end zone. And the first day that the group raised the 12-man flag, polite smattering of applause. About two years later, NFC Championship game, Paul Allen raises the 12-man flag, one of the coolest moments of my career. That's exceptional. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at your journey, Todd, just the friendship that you and I developed about 15 years ago. I mean, you've been a key part in terms of my career, in terms of helping us uh, with our brand and helping us get opportunities. So I want to really thank you for that. And, you know, our careers are, those are things we can actually control in our lives. There's a lot we can't control. We have challenges in personal health or other parts of our personal lives. But in careers, we can make choices. And when I think about my career, it is without regret. I've met so many wonderful, fantastic people. And it's created in me a real patriotism about our country 
because I've seen so many wonderful people. My strong feelings on diversity really came through sport. You know, an NFL locker room is an incredibly diverse place. The guys that play the game, it's incredible, man, how they go about doing it. And even as great as broadcast is and storytelling, it still doesn't even get close to the real story of what goes on in a locker room before or after a game or on a team plane, you know, an NHL team plane where bags and bags of ice go down the aisle to the back of the plane because these guys are true warriors and they're doing things that most sane people never do, playing hurt, playing injured, playing with pain and getting up the next day after sleeping for four hours and going to practice uh, on a red eye after a red eye flight. I mean, it's the sport has been wonderful because I think it does bring out the best of the human spirit. So in terms of accomplishments, you thought of one or two in your career that you're most proud of? I go to community probably when I think about being a part of organizations that impacted people and community. And that's what I'm really looking forward to with uh, Seattle Kraken is uh, I want to win. I can't wait for opening day. I can't wait for the first goal. But the ability to take a kid who might have just lost a mother and to give that kid some hope. And I was that kid. Nine years old, and my stepmother died when I was 17. Uh, I lost two mothers before I was 18 years old. The world was dark, and sports was solace. And so to think that we're in a position where every game we play, out of the 17,000 people there, someone is going to be there who is having one of those moments. And it won't be just one person. It'll be a lot of people who come to games and have a moment that they won't forget with a father and a daughter, a mother, a son, a stranger, connecting with somebody else. Those are all the things that happen uh, in venues. And that's why when people say, do you think people are going to get back together and cheer again? They, uh, they will, because there's too much good that comes out of that uh, for communities and sports. You know, it's interesting because I think sports have been held to a higher standard relative to community. Teams make it a point to give back. I've never been with a team that didn't have that as part of what they were chartered to do. And I've loved it, man. I've, I've tried to jump in and pour you know, fuel on that. And, uh, but I think it's something that teams and leagues have really done a good job of is taking community serious. And every game, for most teams, every game played has a community motive. And that's, that's a cool deal. We're going to start this with... With Pop, the relationship, his relationship ability, and the amount of time and energy and thought he puts into developing trust and and building on the caring relationship um, is like no place I've ever, nobody I've ever seen. And by showing and and helping people grow. Uh, to show him how much to, that he cares for them. I think it allows him to be able to coach them hard because they know it's not self-serving. It's He's trying to do what he can to help them become better as as players and as peoples within as people, within their families, within their team, in, in almost every environment. The military training he had really it sounds like it uh, it shows off 
you know, I don't know whether it's the military or what. I think he has an amazing innate relationship skill set that is like none I've ever seen.